Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. To Foley. Left side now, and here's Pearson. Shoots, and the save and a rebound. Score! Martinez on the rebound, and the Kings win it 3-2. to You're listening to All the Kings Men, the official podcast of the Los Angeles Kings. However, the views and opinions expressed are solely those of the host and other contributors. They do not necessarily represent those of the Los Angeles Kings. Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. Welcome back, Kings fans. My name is Jesse Cohen. This is All the Kings Men. Well, the Kings have won three in a row, and so we've got three guests in a row for you today, Kings fans. We're going to talk to Daryl Evans about the Kings' recent play, including the overtime win over the Columbus Blue Jackets Tuesday night. We've got a Predators preview with Predators broadcaster Pete Weber and former Kings broadcaster, I might add, Pete Weber. And we'll find out all about the new goalie in the Kings pipeline, Anders Lindback from Cat Silverman. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to ensure you never miss an episode. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify Premium, Overcast, or any other podcaster you prefer. Subscription links for Apple and Google Play, as well as the most recent episodes, can be found at LA kings.com slash podcast also you can follow us across all social media platforms twitter instagram facebook snapchat tumblr and uh, of course shiny five king's crowns to the first person that tells me the song and artist i used on this episode on any of those platforms uh now let's get to daryl evans king's fans joining me now la king's broadcaster daryl evans how are you doing today daryl I'm great, Chess. How are you doing today? I'm good. So I've got a 50-50 question for you. Uh, do we take it as a good sign that the Kings have three wins in a row or a bad sign that all three of them are in overtime in a shootout? Well, I think right now, uh, after an 0-3 start, I think you have to take it as it's a, it's, it's a good rebound. Um, I think the bottom line right now is trying to find a way to get two points in every game. Uh, you know, come the end of the year, you don't want to be surrendering points, especially the teams that you think you might be in a battle with for a playoff spot. So uh, the important thing is right now is to find a way to win, uh, get some stability in the game that they're playing. And I think they're slowly doing that. If you look at the first couple of games of the season, they gave up 30 and 31 shots respectively in those first two games. And now over the last four games, they've averaged given up uh, 23 shots again. So so a lot of things are moving in the right direction. Uh, again, getting wins right now is the most important. Put some points in the uh, you know in the standings and and then start to fine tune things as you move forward. What about Alec Martinez's game lends itself to uh, overtime heroics? He's got two in the last three games now. Obviously, everybody knows about his playoff performance in the past. Um, you've got some experience with big overtime goals. Is there something about his uh, vision or, or opportunism, or, or is it just good luck? No, it's, uh, I think it's a lot of hard work. Uh, Alec has got a great, uh, you know, skill set uh, to be able to succeed in, you know, in situations like overtime. He's a great skater. He's got great vision. Uh, he handles the puck, shoots the puck extremely well, and I think he's got great hockey sense. So when you get into situations where there's a lot of room on the ice, I think he's a player that can thrive in those situations. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times a player like Alec, uh, you know, he, he gets kind of o- overlooked a little bit. Uh, there's a lot more 
I get to, you know, have the luxury of watching him every day in practice and just watching all the little fine points of his game. And I think he's an outstanding player. So things like this don't surprise me to see him have this type of success. Um, I think the last few years we've seen really see his, you know, his career, you know, get to a level and merge to a high level of play. And, um, you know, I, I think he's, this is, you know, this is what he's all about. Uh, uh, you know, he, he, he's capable of doing that and not uh, sacrifice any of his defensive game. So he's a very valuable player to this team uh, because he can play both the left and the right side. He's a, uh, you know, he's a, he's a real asset for the Kings organization. Last season, he and Lucic uh, had their little chest bump ritual. Um, it wasn't clear who started that or uh, or why it started, but when Lucic left, I think uh, I certainly had a little bit of a worry, and I, I know probably some other Kings fans did, that maybe a little bit of the fun might be going out of the locker room, but Alec Martinez seems to have an infectious personality, um, and watching him celebrate after those OT goals, how important is it to have a guy like him in the locker room, never mind on the ice? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of guys that, you know, that are going to provide that type of, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's say relief, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, it's a it's a grind each and every day, and I think every locker room has those type of players, that, guys that kind of you know know when the right times are, and you know uh, you know kind of lighten things up. Uh, you know, Matt Green's another one for the Kings that has had that reputation over the years, and I think Alec. Uh, you know, again, you, you know when you're scoring goals, you know of that magnitude, you know ones that end games that are decisive goals. I think there's a, it's, a, it's a good thing to show a little bit of emotion, and I think that's exactly what he's doing. I don't think, uh, you know, in a lot of cases, I don't think it's, you know, not necessarily premeditated. I think it's something that he really enjoys to do, and I think his teammates, you know, they look forward to it, and it's just, uh, you know, the passion that he has in, in enjoying that moment at that time. So I think you'll see you know, those moments continue with him, and that's a great thing. You know, you see the smiles on the guy's faces. It's, you know, at the end of the day, you know, you get a win. It's not easy to win in the National Hockey League, and, you know, those guys are just showing that uh, that emotion when, when you see little things like that, whether it's a chest bump or, you know, a high five or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, it's just uh, just emotion at that moment coming out. I know a lot of Kings fans held their breath when Jonathan Quick left that first game. Um, is 500 the best uh, Kings fans should hope for as long as Quick is out? Or is this a team that you think can rally around Budai and uh, put some wins on the board? Well, I mean, I don't think you'd be satisfied with 500 at all. I think you've got to set your, you know, your goals, your goals high. I mean, this is an organization that's had a lot of success. And if you go back to 2014, when they won their last Stanley Cup, um, Jonathan Quick missed, you know, two months in that season uh, early on in the year. So um, collectively as a group, they have to find a, get, a way to get the job done. It's an opportunity for somebody else, whether it be a goaltender, Budai right now in this case, with the injury to Zadkoff or you know, if anything else changes moving forward, uh, also brings a lot of attention to the, the team as a group that they, you know, they need to, you know, tighten up and play that structured game that, you know, that is, has been, you know, bred into them over the last handful of years. So it's, you know, they, you know, you, you can never replace a guy like Jonathan Quick, arguably the best goaltender in the game right now. Uh, but you've got to find a way to get the job done. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Coaching staff and the players, they've got the cards to dealt with. Those are the players that are in the locker room each day. And if management elects or can do something else, then then so be it. But uh, you can't be looking at that. And I think the Kings have done a good job at kind of, you know, getting settled in, you know, recognizing the quick's going to be out for an extended period of time. I think everybody's, you know, looking at it right now, and it's one game at a time. But, no, 500 is not satisfactory. Uh, you know, I don't think that's, uh, you know, where you can set your limitations. I think you gotta you got to strive in order to be higher than that, and that's what the Kings will do. 
every year we're hearing more and more that the league is turning towards younger, faster players. Um, with that in mind, how important is it to have a guy like Tanner Pearson in the lineup? And uh, is his speed the reason he's leading the team in scoring right now? Well, I think you go back a couple of years ago, Tanner Pearson was not only leading his team, but he was up amongst the leaders in the National Hockey League when he got off to that great start the year that he broke his uh, his ankle there. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, not surprised. You know, he's got that element in his game, that quickness. He's got that flair. He's got a quick release on his shot. Uh, he too knows his way around the, you know, the, around the rink, and you know, especially in the offensive zone, he's got that flair to his game. And you know, if he, you know, continue to keep working and complete his game, coming from the defensive side of things, uh, you know, pursuing pucks and bodies on the on the back check, he's going to be, uh, you know, a real asset to this hockey team. Would not be surprised come the end of the year to see him score 30 plus goals. But he's off to a great start. Uh, I think he's showing some maturity in that. And yeah, you know, the NHL is, you know, it, it's getting faster. Um, I think, you know, one of the reasons is getting younger. Uh, some of it has to do with the, you know, the salary cap and things like that. That you know, you can get the younger players in, you know, on the entry level contracts. That helps, uh, you know, balance out the payroll a little bit. But at the end of the day, um, you know, experience is a very valuable asset that you know that you've got to have. And you've got to have a blend of it. The young guys provide the energy, uh, and the older guys provide that experience. So you've got to have a combination of both. There's a lot of, you know, older players, uh, you know, so to speak, if you want to call players in their late twenties that would be considered older players in today's game. They are, they, they're extremely good skaters and there's no reason your skating has to fall off a whole lot. Again, uh, with the intelligence and what you learn over the period of time, you can blend the two of them to still be a quick NHL player and a team can play quick, even though you don't have the quickest or fastest individual skaters when you're going into races, a game of hockey is probably played, you know, 10, 15 foot burst. So if you can win, you know, those little battles, you know, and the will to get in there, you know, take a little bit of a bump, get body position. That's where your quickness and, and your uh, and your athletic ability comes in. Nick Dowd and Dustin Brown have uh, formed a surprisingly effective pair. Uh, I've really enjoyed watching them. What do you like about Nick Dowd's game? Well, Nick's a good skater. Uh, he's got decent size, uh, I think, but there's a little bit of a bite in his game. Uh, last night in the game against uh, the Columbus Blue Jackets. He had seven hits in that game, so he's providing that physical element. Uh, he's not just content to, you know, get the puck and you know get rid of it. He wants to make something happen, and uh, I think that's an element that the Kings are really looking for, especially in their bottom six forwards. That they need a little bit of that creativity, a little bit more of that attack, and he provides that. Uh, and you know, because of what he's shown there, that's why you know you see him getting some power play time as well. So. He's a player that will continue to keep getting better and better. Uh, he likes to play the game. He's having fun. He's playing it the right way, and that's what will keep him in the league until uh, he establishes himself. This is the 50th anniversary of the LA Kings. We've already seen some of the festivities planned. How much fun is it for you to see all of the older players and uh, and all the celebrations going on? Yeah, it was really neat uh, opening night there to have the – you know, the group from the 67 the original group there, uh, you know, getting to meet some of those guys for the first time getting to talk to some of the ones that you've, you know, that I've met in the last couple of years and few years, it's special. I mean, these are the pioneers of our game here in Los Angeles. Uh, so, you know, I think for the young players uh, playing for the Kings right now, it's, it, you know, it's kind of, kind of cool, probably something to learn to appreciate a little bit more, you know, later in their careers, maybe after they retire that, you know, they get a chance to meet some of these guys, you know, some of these guys are almost 90 years of age. So uh, that, that's pretty neat. And, uh, you know, I think it's a, a good way to, um, you know, to, put a, uh, a list of, uh, you know, kind of like a length of history there, you know, to all the different things that have happened and, you know, the reaction of those guys, you know, to see the training center in El Segundo, to see Staples Center, you know, how much more is offered to the team, 
you know, now than, you know, back in 67. Yeah, you know, Forum was a beautiful and fabulous building at that, you know, at that time. But the amenities and everything that go with it, you know, with the game and, and, uh, and the National Hockey League right now are, are something really special, something that these guys, you know, never had a chance to experience. But the way, you know, when they came back for that, that weekend, you know, the way they were treated with their wives and families and things like that, it, uh, it was something that they'll, they'll remember and something that they're very grateful for and uh, very proud to be part of this organization. So that was, it's been special to this point. And, uh, you know, we'll have the, we'll host the All-Star game again here, uh, you know, next year in 2017, you know, later in the season. Uh, and, you know, if you can cap it off with getting some postseason time and you know, maybe putting another Stanley Cup banner in, uh, in the Raptors, that would be a magical year for the team's 50th anniversary. Uh, before I let you go, Daryl, every time I turn around, it seems like you're interacting with the fans in uh, new ways. Uh, how's the running club, and can you let the fans know uh, some possible ways to interact with you and the club in the in the near future? Yeah, the running club is great. Uh, you know, it's something that we started a few years ago. It continued to keep growing in numbers. Um, I really enjoy it because it, you know it's a, it's a chance to be able to connect with the fans. Uh, it kind of you know in, in a way I'm giving something back. Uh, you know, some of these you know some of these people that have come join us. Have, you know, they haven't, you know, been able to get themselves on a consistent routine and be it. It's only once a week that we meet, uh, we meet, we meet all year round, but these people are you know, now starting to establish a little bit of a, a routine and, you know, getting themselves in better physical shape, which is putting them in a better mental frame of mind as well. So just to see the progression, there's been some people that have knocked, you know, two and three minutes off a mile, you know, since they started a uh-huh. couple of years ago, a few years ago, we've seen people drop, you know, 20 and 30 pounds. So, to know that you're doing something good for people, uh, that they're leading healthier lives, uh, I think is great. And it's uh, it's a group that we sit there and we talk we talk hockey at the end of each each run, and you know we do a stretch. It's real lighthearted, and uh, like I said, the numbers are growing. Just going to King's website, you know, slash Run Club, and uh, you know, fit to be king. It's uh, it's it, it's uh, it's a real it's a real infectious thing. I think you know the more people that come out to do it, the word spreads, and uh, you know when we get together when we do our 5K run there in september we get a great turnout from that you know from the particular run club and and like i say it's a number that we expect to grow and we're looking forward to uh, next year uh having a 10k for the first time so that's going to be great and i think we're going to you know extend and reach out to a whole different group of runners as well so uh staying healthy and being fit uh just leads you for a better lifestyle and i'm really happy and proud to be part of it excellent well thank you as always daryl we really appreciate it Anytime, Justin. Look forward to talking to you again in the near future. Joining me now, a former Kings broadcaster, current Nashville Predators broadcaster, friend of the podcast, Pete Weber. How are you doing today, Pete? I'm doing outstanding. Glad to be back in Southern California, uh, getting ready to start out what turns out to be a five-game trip across 12 days, and uh, day one was already burned in traveling out here yesterday. <laughs> uh, so the Kings are celebrating their 50th anniversary. You were uh, a part of that 50 years, and they've got a, a segment called Royal Reflections, where they talk to uh, Bob Miller, Jim Fox, Daryl Evans, Nick Nixon about some of their stories. There's one coming up uh, where Bob Miller talks about uh, you and he on a flight, and you pretending <laughs> to be airsick. Uh, yes. What are your recollections of that story? It's all very, very true. And this was <laughs> in the days when we were all traveling commercially, right? So it was a crowded flight, and I believe it was Pittsburgh to Boston. And there was a, uh, shall I say, a rather large gentleman sitting between Bob and myself. 
And I thought maybe I could carve out a little more room. Uh, <laughs> as it turned out, the, the site, the flight was sold out by acting to be sick and thinking maybe he would move. And Bob played right along with it. He goes, oh, man, last time he got sick all over my shoes. I, I don't know what's going to happen this time as I'm going, mm, mm, and so on. <laughs> so I continue with this approach to life as the plane pulls out of the gate area and moves toward the runway for takeoff. And uh, the, the engines are revving up really, really high. And there is this lady with, uh, shall we just say, blue hair sitting directly in front of me. And it's not the blue hair today that we see, but uh, a lady somewhat senior to me, mm-hmm. at least at the time. And then I start to really lay it on, really get loud with my, uh, my acting. <laughs> and then just as I did that, I was just about to go, and they cut the engines. So it became loud all over the airplane. And the lady, like, ducked forward and put her hands on top of her head to try to stay out of the way of the spew she was expecting at that point in time. Uh, And that, I think, essentially is the story to which you are referring. Yeah, (laughs) that's the one. Uh, You know, it it had never occurred to me before this year that – that broadcasters or players or coaches might have a fear of flying until we spoke to Lowell McDonald as part of our 50 Kings series. And, uh, yes. and then I realized, of course, there must be, I mean, just the, the statistically speaking, even today, there must be players with a fear of flying. Uh, did you ever have trouble uh, in the traveling? No. As a matter of fact, I think there was almost a contest between me and Butch Goring as to which of us would fall asleep first, <laughs> you know, and how far in advance of actual takeoff. And I have never had a difficult time with that. Uh, Bob Miller would tell you my most difficult thing about sleeping on an airplane is drooling all over myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I, but I think I think I have that solved now. Uh, but <laughs> I, <laughs> I don't so. want to be boastful. I don't want to be boastful and then uh, ruin the karma, if you will. <laughs> but uh, no, actually, and I'm surprised I've been able to drive across country. I once made uh, Seattle to Buffalo and like, two days just wow. over plus and uh, and doing it solo uh i don't know how i did that because mostly when i'm in a moving conveyance i just tend to really relax that's i think the best way i can put it hmm. well, sounds like you and i are in the same club I, i'm at the point now where i fall asleep before the plane even takes off as soon as my seatbelt's buckled, yeah. i'm unconscious but uh two days seattle and to, there's nothing I mean, wrong with that oh, oh it's fantastic i love it i fall asleep when i sit and down I and i wake back. up when we land I was hustling back for a Sugar Ray Leonard fight in Buffalo that was called off because of uh, Sugar Ray's eye problems. Uh, just as I and I didn't know because we are, we weren't getting cell phone dispatches in 1982 that uh, uh, Sugar Ray had to back out of the fight at that date. It was rescheduled for later on. But I had covered Gaylord Perry's 300th uh, Major League win when he was pitching for the Mariners against the Yankees, and the next day jumped in the car to make this frantic trip back for a fight that wasn't staged at that point in time. Mm, unbelievable. Well, uh, so the King's 50th anniversary rolls on. We've got the Nashville Predators coming to Staples Center on Thursday night. Uh, how much fun has it been for you to watch P.K. Subban this year? A lot of fun. And, and, and the reason I think it is fun, you can tell he's having fun. Mm-hmm. And I think, that, I think that makes all the difference in the world. When you know, Well, it's kind of like I'm a kid. And I'm listening to Harry Carey and Jack Buck do Cardinals baseball. I grew up in West Central Illinois. And I could tell that for them, what they were doing could not 
properly be defined as a job because they were enjoying themselves so much. And that's kind of the way I feel about what I've seen from P.K. Subban so far. It is not a job for him. It's a, I guess if it's a labor, it's a labor of love. Do you think that anybody else could have? Uh... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Flourished in that role, having been traded for someone like Shea Weber from the Predators. Boy, yeah. You, you talk about the expectations that come after that. Uh, let's get back to that, uh, you know, novel written, what, 1855? Great expectations. <laughs> A lot to labor under, to be certain. Uh, so Charles Dickens, I think, had the right idea about all of that. But uh, I, I really can't picture anybody else, no, handling it as well as SPK has. Uh, so the team, the Predators, that is, gets hit with, uh, was it food poisoning? What's going on We think there? so. There's, there's, there's no definitive way, but we do know, you know, it was one of those back-to-backs in Detroit. We do know, staying in the same hotel were the San Jose Sharks. And hearing that news, they promptly canceled their team meal for the next day hmm. and instead ate in a restaurant nearby uh, because, hey, you just never know, you know, what truly has caused something or, or brought something about. And, yeah, matter of fact, I just finished uh, an interview downstairs with Ryan Johansson about the situation and how great he looked on Saturday when he looked, you know, no better than that old phrase, death warmed over uh, on, on the game day uh, Friday. And when he got on the plane afterwards, I, I thought he was doing an impression of Charlie Manson or something. His hair was all askew. He was, you know, sweating heavily. And uh, he said, well, I fooled you then because I was still he was still in the depths of it all. Uh, so I have never seen anything like this. Uh, no one I have uh, talked to so far has experienced anything similarly. And then to consider they had to call five guys up for Saturday's game against Pittsburgh and then beat the defending cup champions 5-1. What a confluence of events. Maybe I shouldn't use the word confluence, but you get the idea mm-hmm. uh, Friday and Saturday were for the Nashville Predators. So for the Kings game Thursday night, how is the team looking? What do the Kings have to worry about? Is everybody healthy? Is it going to be a full roster? It seems pretty much everybody is healthy. They called up five to play in the game on Saturday. They all played. Uh, two of them got returned to the, the American Farm Club, American Hockey Farm Club, the Milwaukee Admirals. And the Admirals uh, had to call up that day. You know, there's a, a chain reaction. They had to call up six guys from the Cincinnati Club Jeez. in the ECHL to help them out on Saturday in Rockford. Uh, but it does appear everybody's in pretty good shape right now. Uh, matter of fact, I, I spoke with Merrick Mazinets, who was the backup goaltender, and he was hoping that he would not have to play in that game on Saturday because he was still weakened from the night before. Plus, Merrick gets home, and his daughter is ill enough with a fever that he has to take her just after he gets off the plane at 1 o'clock in the morning from Detroit, not feeling well at all himself, to the emergency room, whereas maybe that emergency room should have treated the both of them when you get right down to it. Uh, so I, it does seem that everybody it's pretty well uh, run its course. But, for example, 
on the plane coming home after the game Friday night. Mike Fisher, P.K. Subban got on the plane, among others, and they looked just perfectly fine. Uh, P.K. so far has still avoided most of it, but Mike Fisher got hit hard almost as soon as he walked into his home uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, and he was among those who uh, were unable to answer the bell on Saturday night. Well, I wish I could say uh, that I want them to be healthy for the Kings game, but uh, if they could just hold on to the uh, some of the ill feelings for another uh, 48 hours, that'd be fa- <laughs> fantastic from my perspective. Um, have, you had a, have you had a chance to watch the Kings at all this season? Very little, unfortunately. And uh, I was, uh, the way my, uh, shall we say, my bandwidth was, last night I was... Uh, forced to use the radio app to listen to everything and that's not a problem whatsoever but i've i've really enjoyed obviously uh working with bob and then uh, watching bob's work over the course of the years so uh, that was that opportunity was not afforded me uh as a result of anything at that point in time so uh yeah i'm i'm hoping that uh everybody works out that the uh Preds and Kings, boy, and, and how long have the Preds been around? They actually played a whole season series against the Kings uh, at, at the Forum. Uh, that, uh, mm-hmm. that, that tells you how far back things go right now. Of course, I go back so far. Bob Miller and I worked games together in the Olympia in Detroit, and Friday's <laughs> game was the last regular season meeting of the Predators and the Red Wings in Detroit. Are you going to miss the Joe? Uh, not as much as I miss the Olympia. Uh, and here's a great moment in King's history. It was in January of uh, 79, and it really involved the unveiling of the Triple Crown line. I was also, we didn't call it that then, but uh, like traveling secretary for the Kings in addition to doing color with Bob. And I went out to the Detroit Metro and picked up this guy from the Springfield Indians, Charlie Simmer, and uh, he had just essentially an overnight bag. He didn't think he thought he was just being called up for an emergency purpose. Well, lo and behold, he gets put on the line with Marcel and Dave Taylor. And they end up, well, producing for Marcel a four-goal game that afternoon at the Olympia. So it was one of our simulcasts on old KHJ TV, now KCAL. And I was going to go down, and with four goals, it wasn't too difficult to choose who our star of the game interviewee would be. So Marcel Dion is going to be, and I said, Bob, you know, maybe since all the things about Detroit and uh, Marcel not exactly being a fan favorite here any longer, maybe I ought to tell the head of security here what we're going to do. So I did. I went downstairs, and the guy looked at me and says, you're going to what? Down on the ice here? I get, yes, Marcel Dion. So that was, and this is another story in, in Bob's book, as I'm interviewing Marcel, uh, and this is the day before plastic bottles. There are all manner of of bottles and uh, other debris, you know, hitting the ice around us. And uh, I couldn't think of anything else to say as I was about to wrap up. But what harkened me back to the days of Edward R. Murrow. And I just said, ladies and gentlemen, this is London. And it was it was like we were under a bombing attack. I mean, you know, it wasn't the Luftwaffe. It wasn't uh, the, the rockets or anything like that, but uh, we both felt <laughs> as endangered as one could. But, in, you know, it's comical to look at back at right now, but back then it was uh, a much more serious thing. Well, we are uh, looking forward to seeing the Predators come into Staples Center Thursday night. I want to thank you, as always, for joining me, Pete. Glad to do it, Jess. Thank you. Anytime, please call, email, you know, text, or uh, put up the bat signal. <laughs> or FaceTime, I learned we can do today. 
<laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Thanks very much, Pete. We'll talk to you soon. You got it, Jess. Thank you. Joining me now, the person I go to for all of my goaltending information, Catherine Silverman. How are you doing today, Catherine? Good. How are you? I'm doing excellent, thank you. So we find out this morning that the LA Kings are bringing Anders Lind back into the organization on a PTO. Um, he's been playing uh, in your hometown. Well, <laughs> not your hometown, but your uh, your neck of the, the woods out in Arizona last year. What can you tell us about uh, Anders Lindback? You know, he's... He's actually a goalie that I was a big fan of back when he was in Nashville. I liked what Mitch Korn did with him. I thought that he had a really promising career. Since then, I've been probably his biggest advocate, and he hasn't done a whole lot necessarily to inspire confidence, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> he's he's kind of been put in a few rough situations. He played in Tampa with uh, goaltending coach Franz Jean, who works well with some types of goaltenders, doesn't necessarily work well with others. I don't necessarily think that he did what he could with Lindback correctly. Um, he then bounced from there to Dallas, came off a really miserable time in Tampa Bay in terms of his performance and in terms of his output. Uh, Dallas didn't necessarily work out for him either. Once again, that's another goalie coach. Mike Valley was in charge at that time who maybe necessarily didn't, Lent a good style of coaching to what Lindback needed, bounced from there to Buffalo, performed remarkably well, bounced to Arizona, didn't really get a chance to get his feet under him, under John Elkin, before he was out for the rest of the season. So he's been injured recent, most recently, so there's not a whole lot to say in terms of what I've seen from him in Arizona. He only played a handful of games there. That's not exactly what... Kings fans want to want to hear when we're talking about the the goalie we're bringing in to replace injured goalies. You know, it's uh, the and that particular injury, I forget if he was off the top of my head. I forget if he was an ACL or an Achilles injury, but he recovered at a normal rate. Didn't take extra time. Didn't re-injure it. He just happened to injure himself at a point where his recovery took him beyond the end of the season. So he was mm -hmm. shut down for the rest of the year. But that's really the only time that I've seen him injured, particularly on a long-term basis. So that's a good thing. Um, and he doesn't... Nothing about his style puts him in a position where he's inviting injuries. So that's good news for Kings fans. Um, they just may not be super thrilled when they look at his stats, especially because they are so inconsistent. They're good in Nashville, good in Buffalo, Pretty horrible in Tampa Bay and Dallas. And then in Arizona, I mean, he really didn't get a chance to give them any good sample size. Well, and the team playing in front of him wouldn't have been uh, very good either. Um, no offense. <laughs> um, Not taken. <laughs> I know what we had. <laughs> um, you mentioned earlier, we were talking about this earlier off air. Um, you mentioned that he's six foot six and that that presents a challenge. And yet I find that there's all these conversations going on about how goalies are getting bigger and, and what a tremendous advantage it is to the position. So can you talk a little bit about the challenges of being a six foot six goalie and, and how that factors into his game as compared to some of the other uh, taller goalies out there? Absolutely. He um, being a taller goalie just from a raw physical standpoint is obviously to the best advantage because you take up more space in the net. Mm -hmm. You're bigger when you drop into butterfly. You still reach the top of the net. Sometimes your head goes beyond the top of the net. I wouldn't know what that's like. That's a foot <laughs> taller than I am. Um, 
So just from a physical standpoint, it's obviously better to be bigger, but from a tracking standpoint, particularly in close, it doesn't always necessarily lend itself to being the best a goaltender can be when you're, you know, six foot six and you're tracking in close. If you haven't been properly developed, if you haven't been given the best tools, the best positions to be in, to track in close, particularly when players are, you know, crowding your crease, you can see goals from in close become a noticeable weakness. And that's something that Anders Lindback definitely has. I mean, it's improved since he left Tampa Bay. Um, I know that it improved under Elkin. It looked like it was improving when he was with the Dallas AHL affiliate. It definitely improved when he was in Buffalo. But one of his weaknesses in the past has been tracking in close. And that's that's not something that necessarily you would notice if you're just looking at his broad overall game. You'd say, oh, you know, every time they get in close, he's giving up these juicy goals. Can't tell why. It's because he's not necessarily tracking the play as well as he could. And it's likely because he's so much taller. He's not he's not using his height to the best advantage he could. And he used to play a little bit farther out than I felt comfortable seeing a goaltender that tall play. He doesn't really need to come out very far because obviously playing farther out helps a goaltender because it makes them look bigger. He doesn't need to look bigger. So really he's just putting himself out of position for lack of a better term. It seems like he's going to play most of his time with the organization in um, Ontario, assuming that he gets this visa problem taken care of and uh, even makes it out here. But in the meantime, we've got Peter Budai uh, spelling Jonathan Quick and Jeff Zatkoff until Zatkoff gets back. Um, you and I have had conversations about Budai in the past. Is there anything that you've seen in his brief uh, stint as a starter for the Kings this season that changes your mind on what you told me the last time we talked about him? Not necessarily. I mean, Budai's a goaltender that I, I liked him. Um, I think that his reaction timing has slowed down just enough that as an athletic goaltender, I mean, he's he's a very reaction-based goaltender. He doesn't rely a whole lot on conservative positioning. He comes out pretty far. Um, he's started to slow down a little bit just based on the virtue of age, and that doesn't lend itself very well to playing based on your reaction timing. But I've also only seen their game against the Canucks, and it wasn't his best game. <laughs> it also wasn't his worst. Mm-hmm. Barring that, I mean, the goal where he completely spun around and faced the net, there's really nothing about his style that you can use to criticize that because if you're staring at the net, you're going to get scored on. <laughs> so that's, that's not a style thing. That was that was just – that was – that was I, I don't know what that was. In but, his uh, defense, <laughs> Jonathan Quick is good for about three of those a season, and as we all know, Jonathan Quick is the best goalie in the league. So I, I played the fifth on that <laughs> Peter, one. <laughs> Peter Budai in good company uh, with the uh, – with a stick handling flub right there. Um, you know, he definitely, uh, he's been working with Dusty Amu, who I think is one of the best, most underrated goaltending coaches in the NHL and AHL right now. I mean, I've spoken to a couple people that are familiar with his work. I've spoken to a couple people that are big fans of the Ontario Reign, that are big fans of the Kings, and they don't have enough good things to say about him. I mean, they just sing his praises every time I talk to them. He gets the best out of his goaltenders. He really knows how to reach them. He knows what he's doing with them. So like I said, I've only seen that one game from Budai. There's a chance that I've, you know, missed what Amu has done with him. And he could do the same thing with Lindback. So 
there's always a chance that they've improved. <laughs> you speak really confidently and really familiar, familiarly, I can't say that word. Yeah, you speak with great familiarity and confidence about the goaltending coaches across the league. Obviously, the hockey world is a relatively small one, and the goaltending world within the hockey world must be even smaller. How many teams have goaltending uh, development strategies and coaches that you respect and admire? Uh, I'd say the numbers growing, it's still not every team. I think that there are still some teams that whether it's the head coach, not listening to their goaltending coach enough and doing something that detracts from what they're doing, or it's a team that only has an NHL goalie coach and then doesn't bother hiring a development coach. There are still some teams that need to work on what they're doing. A couple of coaches that are still coaching a very old school style, which is I mean, goaltending's gotten better. If you're still coaching the old school style, your goalie will get scored on more often than the new ones. Um, but there are a lot of teams that are really, they're hiring guys like Imu. I know that the Chicago Blackhawks hired Peter Aubrey. He's a very smart one as well. Uh, I like having John Elkin here in Arizona. Um, the Canucks, generally, I criticize them. Their goaltending situation is fantastic. Both of their goalie coaches are I think really spot on. So there, there are more teams around the league that are doing the right things for their goaltenders. Uh, Jeff Zankoff's uh, got a groin strain. Jonathan Quick has a groin strain. One is more serious than the other. Is this a coin? I mean, is that a coincidence or do the Kings practice a style or encourage a style that is more prone to that sort of injury? Um, it's possible that they practice a style that encourages that sort of injury. I think that Jonathan Quick plays a style that encourages that sort of injury. I'm surprised that he doesn't have them more frequently. Um, in terms of Zatkoff, I never really thought of him as a goaltender who played a style that lent itself to injury. So I think that his is just coincidence, but he could also be trying to emulate Quick. There is a, uh, there's a pretty historic precedence of goaltenders openly admitting that when you play in a tandem, you start to shadow your tandem partner. You start to mimic some of the things that they do successfully. That's so and funny. There's, there's a chance that he's, you know, picking up on a few things from uh, from watching quick and from practicing with him all the time that might have ended up injuring him. But I don't want to say that with confidence because it's just as likely that sure. it's, it's just a coincidence. That's I, I'd never even thought about that before, but isn't that fascinating that, uh, that, that working so closely with somebody might actually influence your game. Uh, before I let you go, Catherine, I want to talk to you about the telecast because uh, as you said, you watched the Canucks game and uh, you sent me a little message <laughs> praising uh, our favorite uh, Bob and Jim. What, what stood out to you about the telecast that you liked so much? Uh, there, you know, there were a couple things. It was, it was honestly the best telecast I've listened to. And I, I feel kind of guilty that I haven't watched the Kings broadcast before I generally pick the away broadcast. Um, just because I like hearing, you know, the different ones from around the league happened to pick the Kings this time. They were bipartisan. I mean, they mentioned strengths for both teams. They were talking about what Chris Tanev does, right? They were talking about how cohesive the Canucks looked this year. So if you were a Canucks fan watching, you felt well-informed. They were breaking down plays, not only plays that led to goals and led to good saves, but just plays that were leading to clean zone entries. They were talking about good passing game. They were talking about closing off offensive lanes for, you know, players that were flying up the wing. They were talking about what Philip Larson did wrong. And then, like I said, what Chris Tanev did right. That was I felt well-informed watching the game because I was 
I, I was watching the game while feeding my newborn daughter. And <laughs> so obviously I wasn't fully paying attention to the game and having them on enhanced the experience. And that just, I think that's missing from a lot of broadcasts right now. Well, we've known that uh, in L.A. for uh, for many years that we're incredibly blessed to have Bob and Jim, uh, and we're going to enjoy it as long as we, uh, we have them. I want to thank you as always for joining me, Catherine. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.